Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I think that once you figure out what your purpose is, that you need to stay true to it and that you need to stay true to yourself. And that if you feel that things are starting to move away from your your true self or your true purpose, that you kind of need to rein it back in and maybe pivot and do something a little bit different. And I can tell you, I've never been happier. I literally manifested this. Like I remember walking through Mount Kisco one day and being like, if I could do anything, what would it be? And it is this. Welcome back to Bucket List Careers. I'm Crystal Laurie, your host. Thanks for joining me. Vegan chef Elise Jacobson on the show today has had many pivotal moments over the years. In her mid-20s, she had an insatiable desire to switch careers to become a chef, working days while attending cooking school at night. And that was the beginning of a successful and intriguing trajectory that included several food businesses over the years from catering to cafes. The most well-known was her restaurant Skinny Buddha, which had multiple locations in New York over a 12-year period. And now Elise has come closer to doing what lights her up the most cooking for clients in their homes, consulting with clients that want to add more plants to their plates, and teaching them how to prepare delicious plant-based meals on their own. Elise shares in this episode a lot about overcoming the personal, financial, and emotional obstacles involved in closing a business. But never for one minute did she let those obstacles prevent her from moving forward. Elise believes firmly that you create your own reality. And that is exactly what she's doing. Let's listen. Elise, welcome to Bucket List Careers, the podcast. I'm so glad I got some time with you. I am so honored to be here. Thanks for inviting me. I've been following you on social media. I find a lot of guests that way. And I'm picky. You know, I've been watching you for a while. And I'm fascinated by all the things that you represent and what you're doing now as a vegan chef. And I'm really glad I reached out to you. And you said, this is the perfect time, Krista, for me to talk about pivots. I know you've had a lot of pivots in your career narrative. Right now, you are a vegan chef. You're cooking for clients in their homes. You're consulting with clients that want to add more plants to their plates. And you're teaching them how to do this all in a delicious way. And I'm personally fascinated with vegan too. So we have a lot to dig into. I'm excited. Where do you think we should start in terms of, and this is the first time I've actually asked someone to say, you choose where we begin our conversation. Where do you think is your first pivotal moment in your career evolution? Way back when I first even decided to be a chef. You know, I went to undergrad at SUNY Binghamton. I was in the business world on that treadmill of the things that you're supposed to do. And <laughs> know it well. Yeah. But I had this like little voice in my head that just kept poking at me about food. I had this like serious draw to the food world. And I just never felt comfortable sitting at a desk, crunching numbers. It just wasn't my thing. I needed to figure out how to pivot. I waited until I got married and my husband at the time was supportive and I decided to pull the trigger and I went to cooking school at night while I still had my day job. I did a bunch of things before that to make sure that it was a a good decision. I interned for a place in Hoboken where I was living and peeled carrots and chopped onions at 5 a.m. for free. When I loved that, I was like, okay, really, I need to do this. That's a good sign. 
Yeah. So I went to cooking school. I got an externship at the city bakery in New York city. And then he hired me right out of the externship. And then I never looked back. Okay. So that was really a very big moment for you. And I know that you've owned several food businesses over the years from catering to cafes. So what was your first one? Talk to me a little bit about that and then walk us through. So my first technical business was called In Good Taste, and Mm. I catered for a local hedge fund. They had their back office in Tarrytown, and Mm -hmm. I started out a couple of days a week, and then after, I don't know, about a year, I was there five days a week serving 40 people on the staff every day. I had somebody that would deliver it all and set it up and wait and serve and clean up and bring it back. And we did soup to nuts, like literally soups to salads, entrees, desserts every day for the 40 staff. Plus the boss, the head guy there had to have his own meal because he was very picky about what he wanted to eat. So he would have like his own soup, steamed vegetables with this special sauce. I made him a special meal every day. And then My second business overlapped that. I opened Skinny Buddha and I continued to cater for the hedge fund as Skinny Buddha. And it was actually nine years I was with the hedge fund and I was with them right up until they closed their doors. So it was a it was a wonderful experience for me. So overlapping gigs, if you will. But you mentioned Skinny Buddha, which is probably your most well-known business. You had it open for 12 years, I believe you said, and multiple locations. So it was successful. What do you think is most responsible, if there's one thing or a couple of things, why do you think it stood out what you were doing at that time and was able to be in existence for more than a decade? Well, the first, the way that we opened it was as a food and fitness business. And Mm -hmm. believe that our philosophy was to combine food and fitness for optimal health. We designed programs for people where they would work out with us and then would feed them all their meals. Smart. Then over time, the business morphed and pivoted itself. People were wanting more food. They were wanting food for their families. They were wanting catering. They were wanting to be able to come in and grab lunch. And so we decided to close the business the fitness end and focus on the food. I think that we stood out in Westchester County because we were one of the only all organic food businesses. And then after a couple of years, we transitioned to being all plant-based as well as gluten-free. And we were celiac safe gluten-free facility because we didn't cook with any gluten in our kitchen. So all of those things kind of made us a little different than most of the other food businesses in Westchester. And did that somewhat coincide with you yourself becoming a vegan? Because I know you weren't always. Yes, exactly. So after I became vegan, it started to feel very disingenuous to Mm. be feeding my clients food that I didn't want to eat myself. And I made the decision for health even though over the years I've be- I've learned and become more active in the animal and planet part of veganism, if I'm being honest, at the very beginning, it was selfish and it was purely for my health. And because Skinny Buddha was always a health-minded business, I felt very conflicted about yeah. serving and even cooking with products that I didn't think were the healthiest and life-supporting things that I could be feeding my clients. Sure. And you had said to me in preparation for this that one of the challenges of running a place like that, like organic or vegan, is the high cost 
of the foods and probably the the processes. So help somebody out there who's thinking about doing this some advice because you yourself admit it it, it isn't easy to turn a profit. Yes. So to clarify that, the part of the business that was expensive was the organic part, not necessarily the plant-based part. Okay. Gotcha. I think it's a big misconception that Mm -hmm. a plant-based diet is expensive or more expensive than eating a basic regular diet. Yeah. Yeah. If if you think about it, the most expensive things in the grocery store are going to be your meat and your fish, right? I mean, that makes sense. They really are. Like you can eat a well-rounded plant-based diet with rice and grains and beans and vegetables and fruits. And those are going to be your least expensive things to purchase at the grocery store. So the organic part of Skinny Buddha was what made it very difficult because it's the organic products that are like three times the price of a conventional product, but not, it it really had nothing to do with the plant-based side of it. Got it. So was that a realization that also helped you in terms of your next act? I mean, I don't want to say second act because you've had multiple acts, right? You seem like the kind of person that evolves. And I think that that's the key to growth as a professional and as a person. So recognizing all the benefits of plant-based food eating, how did that play into your next decisions in terms of your career path? My career path now, currently? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, after I, I switched my own diet and changed the, all the recipes at the cafe, I felt amazing. I've never felt better. I feel better than I felt my 20s or 30s by far, and I'm in my mid-50s now. And You look amazing. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I, I have energy, I sleep, I, my recovery time after working out, everything, just all my systems work better, my immune system, everything. So I really want to share that with people. And my focus at Skinny Buddha was on health, but we also were geared a bit toward like weight loss. And Hmm. I've decided now moving forward that I want to focus a lot less on that and more on longevity and health and strength and combine like the mindfulness component in with the food and that I want to enjoy, like, I mean, I'm basing it on what's important to me now. And it's, I want to enjoy the second half of my life. I don't want to deprive myself. And I don't feel that giving up animal products is a deprivation. Some people might, and I respect that. But for me, I want to be able to indulge and feel like I'm eating things that are delicious and, but that also are serving my body that are going to afford me a strong and healthy life moving forward. That all sounds amazing. And I know you yourself, I read that you had an issue with dieting throughout your journey personally, like you were kind of up and down, would you say, or how has that played into what you're doing now professionally? So yeah, since I was a kid, I always battled my weight and I was always a yo-yo dieter. And then after having my three children, I just decided like I was done. You know, I did the Weight Watchers thing. I've done every single diet ever known to man. With Skinny Buddha, we created a very restrictive structured program, which Mm -hmm. definitely worked, but, you know, it required me to be very, very, very regimented and restrictive. 
And I've just decided in the last couple of years that I just don't want to live my life that way anymore. So while it works, I still think that it's somewhat of a band-aid because people can restrict for so long, but then they're not going to want to do it forever. So I wanted to come up with something that just is maintainable for the rest of my life moving forward. I eat up basically a whole food plant-based diet. I drink alcohol if I go out socially on the weekends. I There's no nose anymore other than animal products. Like if I feel like having dessert, I have dessert. If I want to have two glasses of wine at dinner, I have two glasses of wine at dinner. I'm still, I'm very conscious about my food choices. And if I'm staying home and I'm cooking for myself, I'm going to make myself a big bowl of roasted vegetables with some sea tan or tofu or whatever it is. And I'm going to feel like it's, decadent and it is it's incredibly delicious I don't feel like I'm depriving myself but I'm not going to eat like a bag of chips or french fries like for no good reason so I've learned that it's a balance and I I want to share that with other people so tell me about that in terms of what you're delivering to your clients now and how you're planning to grow that it sounds like a consulting but you're also cooking tell me about your business model now and its potential for growth I am now going to people's homes and either cooking for them or with them. Hmm. There's two different options. I can either come in, we, we select a menu together for both options and either I do the grocery shopping or they do the grocery shopping. At the beginning, I always recommend that they do the shopping themselves because I don't know what's in their pantry and I don't want to go buy every spice and every condiment and every everything and then they're gonna have double right but then once i've been in their home a couple of times and i'm familiar with what's in the pantry then i offer to take that over if if they choose if i go in and cook i basically go i have like a four-hour minimum i go i cook i pack everything up in containers i label everything and date everything and i store it in their fridge or their freezer clean up the kitchen and I leave. I have clients that I do that for every week. I have clients that I do that for twice a month. I have clients that travel. So maybe I end up there once a month. It's kind of all different depending on the client. I also have found, and this is what I love about owning my own business and doing my own thing is that I love to pivot and I love to make changes based on what works for everybody involved. And I had a lot of requests for me to teach. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, sure, I can teach. I love to teach. And for me, I love to empower people to be able to do what I do and not need me to come into their house, but teach them so that they can do it on their own. So same thing. We, We decide on a menu. Somebody does the shopping. I show up and we cook together for three or four hours. I've taught everybody from someone who's never cut an onion to someone who went to the Culinary Institute, but was pastry and wasn't vegan and now wants more plant-based. So every skill level, obviously her, we were able to like just jump in and I didn't need to teach her the basics, but somebody doesn't know how to boil water. I can teach them how to do that too. And I'm really, really loving that aspect of it. Sounds amazing. So tell me about takeaways and advice for our listeners that you think are singular to your journey. What do you want people to remember when they leave this listening to this conversation about what it takes to really find some purpose in your work? I think that once you figure out what your purpose is, that you need to stay true to it and that you need to stay true to yourself. 
And that if you feel that things are starting to move away from your, your true self or your true purpose, that you kind of need to rein it back in and maybe pivot and do something a little bit different. And I can tell you, I've never been happier. I literally manifested this. Like I remember walking through Mount Kisco one day and being like, if I could do anything, what would it be? And it is this, it is cooking for people that want to eat clean, healthy, delicious, nutritious food and consulting. That's another aspect of what I'm doing as well. And I'm, I'm basically living my dream. So I am so excited. Oh, that is perfect and a great place to end. Elise Jacobson, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your journey with us. Let's be sure to send people online to learn more about you. Where are the best platforms? So I have a website. It's www.veganchefelise.com. Mm-hmm. And I'm on Instagram. I have two Instagrams. One is Vegan Chef Elise and one mm-hmm. is Traveling Vegan Chef. I'm also on Facebook under Elise Jacobson. And anybody can reach out to me through my website or through my DMs. If people also are interested in more of the recipes, where can we find? Are you working on a book? I actually am. I just got my proposal out. And okay. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens at that. Okay, okay. So we'll have to wait for that then. But do you you share a little bit on Instagram? I don't typically write recipes on Instagram. I do have some on my food blog on my website, and I will be posting some more there. But yeah, but obviously, if you take a cooking class with me, I email all the recipes that we do together. Love it. Okay, Elise, thank you so much again for taking the time. I enjoyed every minute of it, and I wish you well. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. We appreciate you being a part of this community. Do you know that Bucket List Careers is almost at 100 episodes, which obviously is a huge milestone and achievement, especially for podcasters like myself who just created this in the pandemic. Let's see how this project is going to go and look where we have landed. So it's all thanks to you and your support. We're going to do something cool to celebrate the milestone. I'm not going to give it away now, but... Lots of exciting things coming in the next few weeks. As always, I appreciate you for joining me. Be well. An ironic media production. Visit us at ironickmedia.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.